Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, Packers Bears Sunday Night Football is almost here. It's our Friday show, our last show of the week, which customarily we begin by focusing on the keys to the game for the Green Bay Packers. So let's start on the offensive side here. Chicago Bears bringing that defense in with Khalil Mack as the new addition. What are the keys for the Packers offensively to come out on top here? Uh, well, from what I saw from some nation national sources, it's to block Khalil Mack, and the <laughs> Packers plan on doing that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is one of those contests where, I mean, every single week it's about the pass rush. It's about winning that battle. Mike Pettin talked about it earlier this week, and it doesn't matter if you're dealing with a second-year quarterback like Mitch Trubisky or you're dealing with someone like Aaron Rodgers that's been doing it at a high level for over a decade now you need to be able to pressure the quarterback. So from that perspective, the the counterbalance of that is the offensive line and your tackles. The Green Bay Packers are going to have, by all accounts, will have their starting five for the first time this summer in this game. Yep. I know Mike McCarthy said it, James Campen touched on it, you wish you could have gotten those guys more reps together, but they're also not rookies anymore. Uh, Corey Lindsay's been in this league for five years, is on his second contract. You know, Lane Taylor's been in this league for five, six years on his second contract. Yep. And David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga are Pro Bowl-type caliber tackles. Balaga probably has the toughest assignment in this game because if you base it on recent history, he'll be seeing a lot of Khalil Mack. But at the same time, you can just hear, you know, talking to these guys this week and listening to their quotes, they're really embracing this challenge too. So I think it's going to be a really good chess match, especially to be able to do it in the 100th season, the first game at Lambeau Field, Sunday Night Football. The energy is going to be electric. Uh, and I think seeing that how that's going to work out on both sides of the ball with the pass rush is going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, I'm not sure how much Khalil Mack is going to play, but when True he is too. on the field, yeah. I think if if the Packers neutralize him in any way, I think it takes a little bit of the wind out of the sails of the Bears. I mean, they've been really energized by this acquisition. I think uh, a lot of people w would have been looking at this game, frankly, as a, potentially a Packers runaway in some respects, as far as the national perspective. Totally. If Khalil Mack hadn't suddenly jumped up and joined the Bears' defense, and now he's the key piece potentially to slowing down Aaron Rodgers. So I think that's a big part of this game. The other part I'll say for the Packers offensively, you'd like to see them get Jimmy Grant involved early and totally. often get him going that connection with Aaron Rodgers let's see it let's see what impact it has on this offense and on any given ball game and the flip side of that I'm not going to profess to know everything about the X's and O's and the personnel of the Bears but I don't see anybody on that Bears defense that they can line up one-on-one -on -one with Jimmy Graham and feel comfortable necessarily yeah. so that tells me that they're going to have to keep safety help in the middle of the field. And if that happens, then it's Adams and Allison and or Allison on the outside who are going to have some one-on-ones. Yeah. And if you've got those one-on-ones on the outside because that safety help is in the middle of the field against Jimmy Graham, you have to win those one-on-ones. And you and I saw it during the, the training camp, Mike, in the preseason. Again, everything's very vanilla. Teams aren't scheming up a lot of stuff. But we did notice the Packers go to a lot of empty looks. And they can do that when you have Ty Montgomery as a running back, when you have Jamal Williams and his background and has proven that he can be a solid pass catcher in this league. At any given time, being able to potentially go empty, and we'll see exactly what their plan is for that in this game, and have Jimmy Graham, 
Randall Cobb, and then one of those running backs also involved, in addition to Devontae Adams and Geronimo Allison. There's a lot of matchup problems there that that presents. We saw a lot of two tight end packages as well during the preseason. I believe the only drive that Aaron Rodgers led in that game against uh, the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, all but one of those plays was mostly operating out of a two tight end set. So yeah, getting back to your original point, there's so many different array of weapons, and they're all so different. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're all incredibly skilled when you look at what Adams can do on the boundary, when you look at what Allison does. And then having that kind of contrast of, of Graham and Randall Cobb in the middle of the field, it does. It stretches out a defense, and Vic Fangio is going to have to take that into account. Yeah, all right. Well, switching gears to the defensive side of the ball for the Packers, what do you see as the uh, the key thing to focus on here for the Packers to do what they need to do. Well, the mo- the thing I'm most intrigued by is just to see what the secondary is going to look like, right? Uh, and where all those pieces are going to fit because we saw a lot of guys really play well throughout the camp and, yeah. and preseason. But as far as the biggest factor in this game, I think it comes back to the pass rush. You do not want to let Mitchell Trubisky get comfortable in the pocket. Uh, last year it was kind of an uneven year for him, and and you always kind of chalk that up to is it the rookie sort of exposure and, and trying to get your feet wet like Jared Goff maybe did two years ago before he kind of broke out? Right. Or are you just going to have the, the Carson Wentz hit the ground running thing? Trubisky seems to be more of the Goff route, just based on the whatever it was, nine games that he started. So, But they got him Allen Robinson now. He has Taylor Gabriel and certainly the options that he has in that backfield. What can he do with that now is going to be a big issue. But I think for the Packers... You have Clay Matthews and Nick Perry healthy now. What kind of pressure can you generate against those tackles? What can potentially Mike Daniels and Muhammad Wilkerson, Kenny Clark, do against that interior offensive line? It looks like Eric Cush will probably be starting at guard. He did not play in the NFL last year. He was on injured reserve. So there seems to be opportunities as well. As much as the storyline has shifted towards Khalil Mack, the Green Bay Packers have an opportunity, especially with it being Mike Pettin's first game with this scheme in Green Bay, yeah. to potentially do likewise in terms of trying to generate pressure against Mitchell Trubisky. Well, I may be way off base here, which wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> but when I look at this, and I know the Bears want to get Trubisky going, and they want to get him going with those new receivers, that whole new receiving core. You mentioned Robinson Gabriel. We talked about Anthony Miller, the new draft pick. Out right, of Anthony Memphis. Miller. Yep. He's in that mix as well. But honestly, Wes, I think the Bears are going to come in here and try to run the ball down the Packers' throats. Makes sense. I think Jordan Howard, frankly, Jordan Howard is the most accomplished running back, number one running back right now in this division. Yep. I think there's no question about that. Now, Dalvin Cook in Minnesota, he's potentially coming back. You know, though. coming back from yeah. that from that ACL. Dalvin Dalvin Cook may be the running back that everybody's talking about by the end of the season. But Jordan Howard is the most accomplished running back in this division, and he's a pounder. He is a he is a big, strong guy. And then you have the changeup with Tarek Cohen, the the fast, speedy guy who can get involved in the short passing game and on you know some outside runs trying to get to the edge. I think the running game is Mitch, is going to be Mitchell Trubisky's best friend here in his second year as he starts a season as the starting quarterback for the first time. I think the Bears have got. The excuse me, the Packers have got to take the Bears' running game out of this and put the game in Trubisky's hands. And there were a lot of issues that obviously surfaced last year for the Packers on defense, but the one thing that they did pretty well in these division matchups was stopping Howard 
uh, in both of the games when you look back to September. Yeah, the Packers was, have done a good job on him over, yeah, over the years. 18 carries for 53 yards, and then obviously in November, 15 carries for 54, 25 of that on one play. So they did do a good job of bottling him up, and I, I'm really glad you made that point because it's a valid argument to make. We talk so much about the interior line and being able to generate pressure, and they have that capability. Wilkerson has two 10-plus sack seasons. You know, Mike Daniels in five consecutive years has had at least four and a half or five. Right. And then you also have uh, Kenny Clark coming off the best year of his career in a breakthrough season. But at the core of this, it is about the run defense. And Blake Martinez made that comment during the offseason. You know, he wants to break the, the NFL record for tackles. But he also mentioned, I believe it was in one of the, the Packers TV networks, uh, one of those simulcasts when he was doing a sideline interview saying, well, if Kenny Clark and, and Mike Daniels keep making those tackles at the front line, I'm not going to be able to have that opportunity, <laughs> which I think he's okay with if right. those guys are bottling people up. It, it is. It's so true, Mike. It is about pass rush. It's about pressure. But the starting point is the run defense, and that's something the Packers are hoping to carry over uh, from, from some of the success they've had the past few seasons. Yeah, I always just feel like, especially with a young quarterback, an, an yeah. offensive coordinator, Matt Nagy, the new head coach, he's going to want to get that running game going, and that's what's going to get Trubisky comfortable, especially playing on the road in the season opener, all that kind of stuff. But getting back to Nagy for a second, I'm going to give you a little bit of an audio outline of Ooh. my first uh, – one last look column for this season, which is my weekly column during the regular season that gets posted on Saturdays, the day before the game. Matt Nagy, new head coach. This will be his first Packers-Bears game in this long, storied rivalry. Packers over the last 20 years, not a lot of success, actually, when a new Bears head coach has his first game against the Packers. I'm going to give you the rundown here. 1999, Dick Geron's first game as head coach against the Packers. The Bears win 14-13 at Lambeau Field on a blocked chip shot field goal. Brian Robinson blocks Ryan Longwell. It was six days after Walter Payton had passed away, and it was uh, the hand of Walter was sort of the line out of Chicago that reached up to block that field goal. Okay, fast forward five years, 2004, Lovey Smith's first game. Now, he made the famous proclamation that the number one priority for Chicago was to beat Green Bay when yeah. he was hired because the, the Packers were dominating the series with Favre at that point. The, uh, Lovey Smith wins his first game against the Packers 21-10, to gets a 95-yard fumble return for a touchdown by safety Mike Brown. Another kind of crazy happening, right? Okay, now go forward another nine years, 2013, Mark Tressman's first game as head coach. I don't need to remind anybody what happened in that game at Lambeau Field in 2013 Packers-Bears. Shea McClellan sacks Aaron Rodgers, the broken collarbone, the Bears win that game. Okay, so a lot of crazy happenings that allowed the Bears to win those head coaching debuts. But then the Packers flipped the script in 2015. John Fox, he takes over for the Bears. His first game against the Packers happens to be week one, just like it is this time with Nagy. And the Packers pull that one out down in Chicago. James Jones comes back after an absence from Green Bay, catches a couple touchdown passes. Clay Matthews has a big interception of Jay Cutler in the fourth quarter that helps to salt the game away. So I think you know where I'm going with this. You look at an absence of a player for the Packers who's come back and an interception playing a big role. This game points to Tremont Williams doing something <laughs> special here for the Packers yeah. to do what they did against John Fox and get away from what happened in these other Bears head coaching debuts against Green Bay. Here's what I love about Tremont Williams, too, and that's a really good uh, analogy in terms of getting from <laughs> point A to point B with what I'm sure is going to be a great column on Saturday. But the what thing I love about Williams is that 
and, and so many guys said it, and it sometimes can get cliche, but, you know, he looks like he's 25. He looks like he's 24. I think maybe it was Dimitri Goodson who said he looks like he's 26, you know, a little higher on the, <laughs> the schedule or the, the spectrum. But he looks like he can still play football. Oh, yeah. And at 35 years old, and we'll see what Mike Patton's plans are for him, but I still, I've said this time and time again, if he's starting on the boundary on Sunday night at 35 years old, Tremont Williams has accomplished a lot in the NFL. That might be right up there yeah. with one of the really special things. You don't see that a lot. You see cornerbacks. Terrence Newman just retired, 39 years old, 40 years old. But you don't see a lot of cornerbacks do that, playing the boundary at that age. And it looks like he still has a springiness in his lower body to do it. But getting back to my original point, Mike, you have Williams. You have Devon House coming back. You know, Kevin King looks like the shoulder's going to be okay. He's going to be able to play through. And Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson, what they put on film during the training camp. Right. Five really talented cornerbacks the Packers have to choose from. Mike Penton has to choose from, in addition to that deep safety group that, that has five guys on the roster. It's really going to be interesting to see how those chess pieces move because so many of those guys can play the slot. A few of them can even play back on deep safety. A couple of them can play inside linebacker. Yeah. Seeing how Petten moves those pieces, because we saw a ton of different combinations during camp, is going to be, to me, as I said earlier, the most intriguing aspect of this game in this first month of the regular season. Yeah, well, one other thing I want to hit on for sure, as we are here in week one before the first regular season game is played, if you haven't checked it out, folks, go to Packers.com and check out Wes's really, really nicely put together story on Robert Tanyan, the number four tight end, joined the Packers practice squad late last season, did absolutely everything he was asked to do and made the team this year. Uh, Aaron Rodgers said he 100% deserved to make this team as the fourth tight end. You talked with Tanyan with both his mother and his father, a real uh, family affair here in terms of his athletic career going all the way along. You laid it out really nicely. It's it's really a good story. And th these are the stories that we love, these underdog stories of these guys who, who work so hard and kind of come out of nowhere to make it in the NFL. He comes from Indiana State. Just tell us about the story because roster cut down day was his mother's birthday. It correct? was, yeah, it was, and she said I was joking with her about this that it was you know one of the longest days of her life, one of the longest birthdays she's ever had. <laughs> uh, you know, she vacuumed the house, she dusted, she was cleaning, and at times, as I wrote in the story, when she just gave up, she just paced around the house with her phone in her hand, waiting to hear from him. Um, the thing, the impetus for the story actually stemmed from a conversation I had. I've talked to him throughout the training camp, but it was a conversation I had with him in the locker room at Kansas City when both of his parents had gone to Arrowhead Stadium to watch him. And okay. Both of them, for the most part, got to all of his college games. His older sister, sometimes she played at Bowling Green for volleyball, so sometimes they had to split up a little bit. But for the most part, they've always tracked him at every level, going back to when he started playing in middle school. The thing that was most interesting to me about Tanya's story is that he was at a position that I think a lot of people, when you're just filling out a 53-man roster in June, you just think, okay, you have those three tight ends, the three veterans, and you yep. move on. And Tanya earned a spot on that roster. And I, I mentioned to his mom, Ta uh, Tammy, the quote that Aaron Rodgers said about how he 100% earned this. And it made her emotional. Yeah. Because if you understand Tanya's story, he was a high school quarterback that really didn't get looked at very much. The high, his high school team didn't have a ton of success. He goes to Indiana State, doesn't have a ton of success there, and he eventually moves over to receiver. And she said that was the lowest point for him because he, all he ever did is he wanted to be a quarterback. When he was three years old, he had a birthday party wearing a Brett Favre jersey in <laughs> Illinois because 
gutsy kid. The quarterback, yeah. gutsy kid. And when he had to move to, to receiver, he understood it, but it was tough. And he's went to that school in Indiana State, hadn't had a guy make the opening roster in the NFL in 18 years. There's been one guy that's played in for the Green Bay Packers for out of Indiana State in the franchise's history. And he makes the decision not only to convert to, to receiver, where he ended up being the second all-time leading receiver in Indiana State history, but then he understands that he has to move to tight end to play that at the next level. And, and you'll get a, if you get a chance to read the story, I just kind of go through the different levels of, of what that journey entailed. But I think the most important thing for him is last year he got cut by Detroit, really didn't get much of a chance during training camp to prove himself, took 10 visits throughout the course of the regular season up until the Packers finally bringing him in in December for a workout yeah. and then was told by one of the scouts after it to call your parents and tell them you're not coming home. <laughs> and, you know, he took that. He did everything he could do. He put on the weight, put on good, clean weight, came back for training camp as a tight end. And to be honest with you, Mike, other than the fact that he was a former practice squad player and an undrafted free agent in this league, there really – he really wasn't that dramatic. I mean, it just it just seemed like after that game in, in Kansas City where he had four catches and yep. 30 yards and a touchdown, it just sort of seemed like it was there. he was going to be on the roster. Yeah, the writing was on the wall that he had uh, that he had done what it took. And I think as, uh, as amazing a happy birthday phone call as I'm sure that was on, uh, on Saturday, the thing he could really take the most pride in, I think, is that he didn't make this roster, as you said, because the Packers needed a tight end. Yeah. He made this roster because the Packers didn't want his talent to go somewhere else right. because you can certainly have three tight ends on a 53 and be just fine. So that's definitely an element to uh, to how he made it here and, and got as far as he did. The cool part of the story, too, once he does, once his parents, Bob Sr. and, and Tammy, got the call, uh, they were celebrating – uh, she actually bought three bottles of Green Bay Packers champagne, but she didn't tell anybody about it. She had them completely <laughs> hidden in a, in a cupboard, but then quietly on Saturday morning moved them into the refrigerator just in case, you know, things turned out okay. He calls her. She's just like, Robert, and he goes, happy birthday. <laughs> and he mentioned in the locker room this week that he was going to buy her an item. Uh, he's a pretty no- uh, notorious uh, gift giver. I guess he's phenomenal with his mom and his sister. But as she said, and I put it near the end of the story, all she wants is that number 85 jersey. And to, just to look at where he's come from in the last 24 years, the man he's become, and now this opportunity. She admitted she understands how the game works. People have told her the NFL is not for long. But they're enjoying this moment. They're going to be here on Sunday night. And, and whenever he does step onto the field for the Packers, they're going to be cheering him on. Yeah, well, we see uh, we still see some 85 jerseys at Lambeau Field. A lot of people still have their Greg Jennings jerseys. But if anybody's at the game Sunday <laughs> night and they see an 85 with Tanya on the back, it's probably uh, Tammy Tanya. And there's quite a few of them, too, I was told. They, they basically, the whole sit, their whole town of uh, McHenry, uh, they're, they've had requests to the Packers Pro Shop all week uh, for jerseys. They, cranking, they haven't cranking them out. Yeah, they haven't produced a lot of NFL players. They haven't really produced a ton of high Division One players. So this is a really special moment for them. And it's also the understanding, the maturity that that I think Tanyan demonstrated during this. He never got too high, never got too low. When he felt like he needed to be a little happier, he went out to California for a month in October and into early November to get away from some of the gloominess and, sure. and uh, things that accompany the fall in the Midwest. But um, for him to be able to make that roster behind Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, and Lance Kendricks, 
that's not lost on them. It, it means the world. Yeah, all right. Well, one other thing I want to touch on before we go, as we usually do on our Friday show, we take a look at what's go what else is going on around the league, particularly in the NFC and things that may affect the Packers. Thursday night football, we had the kickoff opener for the NFL yeah, season. The Eagles hang on and beat the Atlanta Falcons. Any impressions of that opening game? It was a really it was a strange game to watch uh, because it was actually kind of dramatic, but it was slow at points too. Yeah. Uh, the the biggest thing I took away from it is that, as you and I have talked about, there's going to be some bumps to go through with these with these rules and officiating. But uh, at my biggest takeaway, and this might not even be the thing that rises to the top of your mind, is Darren Sproles still has it. I mean, he's <laughs> still a, a speedy, explosive football player at 35 years old, and I think he's going to be a big weapon for them this season. Yeah, if you're the Atlanta Falcons, don't you just feel like you went through deja vu? I mean, oh, you, you're driving down. I mean, it was even the same end zone, the same end of the field. You've got the chance in the final minute of the game, multiple chances, you know, first and goal. Got all these shots at the end zone to win the ball game. You can't get the completion that you need. And, uh, and you walk out of Lincoln Financial Field with another tough loss, and they got just, the, just like the divisional round yeah. uh, last January. And they basically got five downs with the illegal contact uh, in the end zone. That's they right. Got that. Yeah, they got, they got the extra shot at it. Still too. couldn't do it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, for the Eagles, you got to feel good about it. I know everybody was throwing up, that I think it's, what, 259 days since they've lost a game now. Uh, so <laughs> it's a good way to start. But, yeah, for the Falcons, that's a, that's a tough one to swallow. Yeah, well, looking at the NFC North here in week one, the Lions play on Monday night, actually. So uh, we may hit on that game in a little while. But the Minnesota Vikings open the season at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo, undefeated as a starter in the NFL, was he, he won two games with New England yeah. as a starter yeah, right. and then went 5-0 five and, five and with the San Francisco 49ers when he took over a 1-10 team last year for the final five games. So this is an intriguing matchup here. You know, week one, you always never know what you're going to get. Right. It may be the most unpredictable week in all of football in a very unpredictable league in general. But the 49ers going into Minneapolis, what do you think? Jimmy Garoppolo in U.S. Bank Stadium is going to be interesting to watch. I don't know how much you and I will actually be able to see it, but uh, that's going to be probably the biggest challenge he's faced so far in his young career. Yeah, I agree. Showed a lot of moxie last year. Obviously has an arm. He, he can run an offense. He threw for a lot of yards in a short amount of time last season. But I'm most interested to see if the 49ers can start finishing some of those drives. You know, he had a lot of passing yards last year, but not a lot of touchdowns. Right. Uh, and, you know, Minnesota's not a team with Mike Zimmer's defense that gives up a lot of them either. So seeing that contrast is going to be interesting. And then obviously Kirk Cousins, the you know, with everything that he was paid this offseason, the, the Vikings really hitching their wagon to him, seeing if he can take that offense to the next level. Yeah, it feels like uh, from everything we hear, it's like a Super Bowl or bust mentality in it Minneapolis amongst yeah. amongst their fan base and everything. So they certainly want to get things started out right at home against a, against a, a team from the West Coast that some people are thinking maybe is a, is a playoff sleeper with Garoppolo. So an interesting yeah, matchup. Absolutely. In the NFC West, there's been a lot of movement there the last few years. The, yeah. the bottom's risen. Let's see if they can take it from there. All right. With that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and of Sunday night's big week one game on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.